Welcome to episode 6, in which Brennan Ledcomon and I discuss design, sequels, and searching for a community. Hi all, today I'm here with Brennan Ledcomon, an industrial designer, longtime Merveys member, and constant voice of reason on Twitter.com. How are you doing, Brennan? <laughs> That's so generous. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm a voice of reason. Um... And even these days, I'm not even sure I'm an industrial designer. So, so I am some of these things. <laughs> Thank you. So how Thanks you, for having me. How would you describe yourself then? Um, it, it's true. So my career has been kind of a long gradient. I was an industrial designer. My training, my background is mechanical design. Um, and then as I've kind of grown up and outward, uh, more of the 3D rendering, more of the animation, somehow into marketing a little bit. Um, and now I'm working on like AR, VR for commerce. So um, it's it's in the 3D world. It's still in the product world, but less industrial designing than it used to be. Mm. Um, as for the voice of reason, I feel like that's actually <laughs> that's often how I I feel like the inter interaction ends up going because I, I think one of us will will like say something idealistic. Maybe is a good way to describe it. <laughs> And then, when you say one of us, you mean you're a very idealistic person. <laughs> I mean myself, but also others, right? Like the internet, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, maybe just like local Murphy members, even. But still, <laughs> and then like, it'll be in a range of like hopeful, or idealistic, or or something which is maybe lacking a key concept. And then you always like seem to step in and be like well let's take it back like let's like here's a bunch of factors <laughs> that you haven't thought about and I, yeah that's true i do a lot of math on people and i don't think that's very polite but sometimes it's it's a very pragmatic way of just saying like no actually here's some semblance of truth or like here's some kind of fact i can add to this contribution mm. but i i really enjoy that because it's oftentimes like it doesn't come across as like you know this punch that takes your wind out of your sails but it does. I, so. I try to be kind. Mm. I think you you nail it pretty pretty well. It does come across as um, as like knowledgeable in I mean, maybe not with like particularly loads of experience in that industry or whatever, but <laughs> you know, it's like well at least well read on the topic or balancing some extra ideas in the fact, you know, like the people who say things for the easiest are the people who usually never done them before type of yeah yeah that's true i i will always try to give the benefit of the doubt to like people with experience in the field that have done things and know things that i don't mm -hmm. because it's true like the the complex truth of any topic is is always harder and weirder than you know some simple whatever the the simplification on the internet of, oh sure like the abstraction know, of the... yeah like like people just don't have time or energy and nor do i you know expect them to people just don't have time or energy to like really become experts in any field before they give an opinion on it and so all of our opinions typically are are some semblance of mm. you know half baked <laughs> i mean i feel like that's um that's not necessarily strange if you think um since you've done like freelancing work as well right but also mm -hmm. i'm sure just work with um with clients you know the way a client approaches their request is usually, I think, very similar, right? Like, they have an idea, and they have a desire, and they're trying to package that in, like, what they think is, you know, mm -hmm. um, valuable or, or doable. 
And then it's your job as the expert to like look through what they're saying and be like, okay, here's kind of what they desire actually. And here's what's feasible to do. And like they give you this little cluster of uh, nebulous feeling and you have yeah. to extract that and turn that into something meaningful. And I think it's similar with like opinions, right? Where like I have, I'm expressing this because something this struck me in a certain way. I don't know the ins and outs of whatever we're talking about, like in construction or who knows what, but I'm packaging and like, I'm still expressing that, right? Like the client still has that expression of uh, satisfaction or dissatisfaction or desire or need or something. And then it's sort of on the expert to like unpackage what that is trying to actually grasp at. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Like, uh, in my experience, kind of one of the marks between like a good designer and a great designer is that that deeper like thinking of like, okay, I know you say you want this, but like the actual pain point you're trying to solve by wanting that is one or two or three steps deeper. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I totally think you're right with, with that, like at a conversational level, like I know you're angry. That's fine. You can be upset, let's say. Um, but fundamentally, I don't want to respond to the anger part. Like, that isn't useful for either of us. I'm trying to, like, respond to or answer or solve or whatever the, you know, verb I can do to, you know, like, actually address some kind of, like, deeper, not the symptom, but the actual malady. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like you can sort of approach second-order thinking in in a... In a way that becomes beneficial to your work or in a, in a practical way because you know i read stuff on second order thinking for example and when people are listing like examples of it you can like i look at that and be like yeah okay i get that i make that makes sense to me and um as i as maybe even as they describe like the first order problem of like here is what I'm trying to express, but my pain point is below. As they're describing the first order, I can sort of sometimes grasp at where they're going. But other times, like, as soon as they touch on the second order thing in the description of it, I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. But I feel like it's easier to just read, you know, a textbook example, a philosophical example, than be able to consistently apply that thinking in what someone is saying because you don't really have any markers for if you're hitting on the correct thing like the person who is talking about this doesn't understand that underlying pain point so you it's hard to be like am i hitting the right pain point like what happens if they actually have another second order pain point that they are um like that's the cause and i'm i am misjudging it and I'm judging it on a level lower than the person can like accurately corroborate my my analysis of it. Yeah. Um. I I mean the answer maybe is just like experience and and doing it a lot. Like I, I think I come at it like you said from design. I I've been a freelancer now more of my career than not. Um, I've worked with dozens, hundreds, I don't know, of clients and different people in different contexts and different situations. So I'd like to think I have a pretty 
well-built base of, of doing the process over and over and over again. Um, how do you get good at it? I think, like, to some extent, it's just kind of a vibes thing. Like, like I know it's really soft and mushy to say, like, oh, just feel it out. Um, you know, you posited that you don't really get a, a marker or, like, a, a, a reaction from people. And that may or may not be true, but I think people even if they don't understand the, the causes or the second or third orders or whatever, you know, I, I think they have like an intuition for, oh yeah, the thing that you're saying is really resonating with me. Like, oh yeah, this actually does sound like my problem at a deeper level. Like I, I actually, I would suggest people are, even if they can't like put their own finger on it, even if they're not introspection, introspective enough to like really dive down those layers themselves, I think when you shine a light on it, they can say yes or no. Um, and this is, you know, I have no training in, in psychology, but I think this is like a, a lot of what psychologists would, would point at with people, um, where like you come to them and say, I'm angry, I'm hurt, like whatever. And they say, okay, that's great. That's the first order of, of how you're feeling. But you know, like, why do you do that? Why that? And then you can kind of go down that chain, you know, as deep or as complex as you want. Um, and once you say like, oh, actually, you know, your parents had really deep expectations of you as a child, and they say, I've never thought of that before, but you're right, like that, that is true. Um, you know, they maybe couldn't have come up with that, but as you shine the light on it, you could reveal it to them. And I think both of you can agree or, or find benefit from, you know, those answers. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in the same thing for design, like, I don't have any customers. You say like, well, okay, like, let's look at that. Why, you know, maybe it's your marketing, maybe your product, maybe you're really angry on Twitter and people just don't like you. Like, um, you know, there's <laughs> whatever the problem is, you know, the same sorts of like pragmatic questioning could be applied to all of them. I think pretty similarly. Mm, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's, that seems pretty like it feels right to me, but I also, I'm also thinking about the people who like push back against that when sure. which is maybe not like surprising i think you can also get a client which which pushes back and, and is like no, I, 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 I don't <laughs> yeah. think that at all oh, no, totally i mean that there's horror stories from every designer and every artist working on everything of of you know i told you to make the logo bigger and you're like no it's really as big as it should be no bigger and you you know after three or four back and forths, you just make it bigger and take your money and leave. Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah, that's kind of the interaction. Sure yeah, like if they're happy and they're paying you, like to some extent, that's kind of your job, even if it's dumb sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> On Twitter, maybe that's just like closing the laptop and, and going to bed. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, because it feels like like learning this type of thinking is. I mean, at some point you said like experience, and that becomes a little bit like um, sort of pattern matching um, and seeing what someone has sort of like pe problems people have expressed before. But um, yeah, maybe I'm trying yeah, to approach I mean... this as as like, oh, I can just learn the skill, and then I can suddenly <laughs> see the second order effects of like all things. You know, they just reach this new level of. Uh, power up and, and that, that's always just... kind of the self-help book problem of like just do good and then you don't have to worry about it again right right <laughs> just do the thing that i'm trying to tell you to do like just do it um of course it's a very unsatisfying and unhelpful like 
approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, how might I, I dig down into that? Like, I, I think there's a, a sort of radical, even that word is used a lot, like a radical kindness or a radical, like, um, um, benefit of the doubt giving. Like, at, at at some level, I suspect that a majority of people just kind of go through life not understanding their own emotions or thoughts or feelings or patterns. And so you'll come across whatever it is, the 10%, 20%, 30% of people who like actually do kind of understand themselves at some level. And in your conversations, I, I wonder if you could kind of reveal there's like a signaling kind of happening there where it's like, oh, okay, you actually do understand yourself and I can talk to you at those deeper levels. Or like, okay, you actually might, you've already gone through the diagnosis steps that I would have normally gone if I were to do it from scratch. And we can start engaging at those deeper levels if if you've already done that work. Um, and, and same with clients, like some, you know, people who aren't designers might already have thought about their logo or might have already thought about like how they want to position their brand or something. Um, and great, they, they have done that work for you. That's part of your job, typically, if you're starting from scratch. Um, but maybe they've already done that and you can do the execution part of like, they say, I want the logo to look like this, just make it look good. Or, you know, I need this kind of marketing campaign, like, you know, just do do the magic part. Yeah. Um, and those kinds of clients are different than people who, who fundamentally like don't understand why their business is failing. They just, they have a pain they can't point at it and you can try and diagnose it. I mean, I feel like that seems to map pretty similarly onto just the general populace as well, right? Like those yeah. who those who have done the basic analysis but still don't know the magic, those who have maybe done both, and then those who can't see it, right? Um, in, in a general like psychological or introspection focused lens and not just design which is maybe mm-hmm. just like a man you know a manifest of like making product through that lens yeah i, I think the metaphor is super strong like I, I keep bouncing back between these kind of different fields but i'd see them very cohesively where like if you see yourself as a product and you see yourself as a like clay to be molded and improved mm. you're doing design when you make the decisions to do those things in your life um and so maybe I'm good at talking to humans because I'm good at design, or maybe I'm good at design because I'm good at talking to humans. I don't know. But like fundamentally, I see that whole flow and funnel and, and you know, loop is just the same thing. <laughs> I mean, if, we're, if something is made, right, then we have to think about how we're going to make it. And that's yeah. kind of design, right? And sure. That includes making yourself and making changes in your own life. And it's still like human action or like conscious action taken in order to get some sort of output. Um, And so then the, you know, like that's the part of of design that like fascinates, is like the, the part that hooks me the most is like not just sort of slapping certain things together, but like real conscious thought being put into like why am i making this step like why am i applying this material or whatever i'm doing and what sort of result do i want from that and why do i also want that type of result right 
it comes down to making a game and be like why am i adding this ability like what do i want to have the player is it oh it makes a big explosion okay cool but like what does that mean like does that allow the player to feel or experience something in, in a different way and then okay why do you want the player to experience or feel that particular thing like what's the purpose of playing this game um and then i see i like yeah. i i sort of can't not see the world in that lens like if i'm watching a movie i'm like okay they did this thing i, I like, was just gonna go to films yeah, yeah exactly like every scene is there for some kind of reason like what what yeah. is it doing but that also makes like certain bad scenes like horrible because you're like this thing is like it should have been cut yeah yeah it's it's directly um flowing against what the rest of the movie is trying to say or trying to do um and sometimes like communicating that to like someone else who's not thinking through that lens is very difficult because you know they're like it's just like a, a throwaway line or like it was just you know a a couple shots and i'm like it's not just a couple shots right like it's everything here was was supposed to be pointing one direction and these are a couple spines which are like pointing in the other direction like it it's mm-hmm. it stops that flow of what was supposed to be made right um but that's like i love that like i love looking at every <laughs> single thing and being like why was this made in a way yeah I, and i think that's so i in high school I, I did a lot of like comtech which is our computer class uh, uh classes and i got into web design so when i was what 16 15 something my summer job you know between high school seasons was uh as a web designer um for a very small very local <laughs> shop i don't know i was just like a cheap kid and they, they hired me so mm-hmm. um uh I, so i did web design for many years or many summers at least um and that was kind of always something that that I shaved against was like it felt so arbitrary, um, and in part it was because I was doing kind of the intern duties, and in part I, I think web as a medium at the time was very like kind of aesthetic copying, mm. um, and and I don't want to paint too broad a brush because I know like lots of web designers who have very you know good very philosophical approaches to what web should be or could be. Um, but like in my role, in my experience as a as an intern kid, um, you know, there's always a client over your shoulder, like, can we make this purple? And you're like, but why? And they say, because I like purple. And that was like the the extent of the reasoning behind any given decision, mm-hmm. um, you know. And that was really frustrating and hard. And and so my seeking kind of more control or more authority for decision making was to get into mechanical design, where you know, a lot of the answers for like, can we make it purple? Is like, oh, literally we can't anodize like this specific metal because the purple dyes don't fit into the pores of the metallurgy. Mm-hmm. Like that could be a, a reason to make a decision, right? Like we have thermal constraints. We have manufacturing concerns. Like they're, the sheer complexity of the material world for product design is just different than the pretty arbitrary, pretty infinite world of 2D graphic design. Um, yeah. And, and so that not alarm but like that that decision for me to get into a you know a slightly kind of tangential career at the time um really came out of that that looking for kind of like i don't know like hefty decision making or like true or deep or complex mm-hmm. kind of puzzle solving i feel uh, with a lot more variables i feel like i that resonates pretty pretty strongly and i i, think I, I can see that like in you the, a lot yeah the creative world like you said is really just not infinite but like 
the there are a lot of decisions which can be arbitrary um and i have this i almost sort of end up like railing on certain things that i <laughs> i need to like hold myself back for example that's like a, just a stupid thing but um there's a lot of of like genres or choices that come up in let's say storytelling um that were meant initially with a sort of purpose like um i'm gonna probably butcher the analysis of this but um i believe for example like bram stoker's dracula goes into like vampires in like in a, in a certain way that they're set they're described and i i don't think that was the first implication of vampires like i'm, I'm pretty sure they existed in european folklore before that but you know they were painted in, in, in this way of like uh, a recluse um, guy in a castle, like a member of the aristocracy, they can't see their own reflection, you know, drain blood, yada yada, as sort of like a bit of an allegory for like social commentary on, you know, they can't see their own reflection, they cannot see their own actions. Aristocracy who's draining the blood of like the surrounding peasants and villages who support them. Like, it's a mm. bit of an economic commentary right and um but it sets up a bunch of like pillars of what a vampire should be and we're here in in 2021 i don't know how many years after stoker's original version was published and we see a lot of vampire based media which like mirrors those particular pillars but purely aesthetically right like they're chosen to do this thing because that's what vampires would do and then there's like okay but now vampires are sexy or now vampires are this or like everyone has their like spin on it but they're using like fundamental pillars of why it was made without really knowing what those pillars are are supporting anymore like it just becomes an aesthetic copy of a template right like yeah fantasy copying tolkien's high fantasy template um zombies copying a zombie template and then being like <laughs> oh, there's a virus version or there's a plague version or there's sure. you know like a mutation version like there's there's different spins but they're using again like the invention of a zombie had a particular meaning um and i feel like that gets lost in this like sort of infinite creative space where you can just spin something off um yeah, totally. Um, I, I would suggest that like most good stories have that element of, uh, um, I, don't, I don't know, like societal allegory. Uh, Frankenstein comes to mind where like, you know, the, the famous meme of like, it's not Frankenstein's monster or the monster isn't, gosh, what is it? Yeah. Like the monster it's... isn't Frankenstein. It's Dr. Frank, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just edit that one out um <laughs> it's it's something like uh where it's like you know what i'm trying you're to get not at. thinking like, that it, you're thinking about frankenstein's monster yeah um but then the actual like big brain version of that is like no frankenstein the doctor frankenstein was the monster because he made frankenstein the, the kind you know creature mm-hmm. um etc and so yeah I, I think like a lot of those resonate especially kind of in that that era because a lot of those stories came around sort of the same time um and they were based on older kind of deeper folklore horrors and the horrors were us always um but but then those particular kind of like classic works just happened to be the 
the coalescence of, of writing it down into a good novel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Zombies obviously have huge like implications for allegories for, for mindless kind of uh, uh, societies and like our ability to, you know, wantonly kill them um, is, is sort of like a, a big fantasy thing. Yeah. You know, we, we can't show, you know, mass murder violence in polite society against humans but if they're zombies oh well then great like gun them down yeah um you know there's tons and tons of of commentary that could be had in that direction it kind of butts up against another um thing that i've sort of been grappling with which is both a, a growing interest in like copy left or copy me or like copyright free uh movements but also this like um point i've 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 sort of mentioned it a few times on twitter as well which is like there should be no sequels like (laughs) you know you're you made a product a story or whatever like you you were trying to tell a certain point like you were you told that story for a reason you crafted the world that it was set in as a mechanism in order to tell the story like everything was thought out to deliver that point and if you didn't get to that point in that story like when it concluded you probably need to like to just write a sequel it's like did you miss the point like did you not get to it and if you're gonna just add on to it and maybe tell another thing like you've now set up you set up all the mechanisms to deliver a story about jealousy and now you're like, okay, I'm going to write a sequel in which the characters do something else about, like, love. But all the mechanisms and the world and the mechanics and whatever are probably pointing still towards jealousy, right? Like, you set it up for that. Sure. Um, so it would probably be more poignant if you rethought, like, the background to deliver your next story about love and, like, hit the nail. And, like, keep on trying to refine how well you can deliver that. Um, not that there are a few examples, I think, of where yeah, a sequel could so... work. I'm not super militant about that, but, but <laughs> sure. um, the problem is with having work that I, I want to be like, you know, fuck copyright, do what you want with this, really. Um, that just opens the gates for people to basically remix something and then maybe misjudge what's going on and basically make a bunch of derivatives of it, which I'm like not against people remixing the work but it will end up creating an example of a bunch of things set in the same world which hit different topics or kind of miss the points and like that seems sort of antithetical to my other stance even though i want people to just have the autistic work and do what they want with it my my cynical take is that like you can't create good works by way of the structure that the works <laughs> are are copywritten, um, you know, if you if you put them out for free, people will make bad stories and people will make good stories and and everything in between, and that's I think as best as you can expect. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, in in the same vein, like I could point to sequels that I think are thoughtful about trying to explore similar themes or the same themes again, or you know, extensions of themes. Uh, Matrix comes to mind like the the second and third movie were widely panned as action movies and they are kind of weird as as movies but you know the original like sort of trans allegory that that the Wachowskis were going for I think is actually pretty well explored over the course of three movies in a way that you you probably couldn't hit with just one 
Um, the flip side of that is, you know, Cars 2. <laughs> like yeah. a blatant cra- cash grab by way of a, a terrible character, you know, being the, the star of the movie. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to say, like, all sequels are good or all, all bad, and I think you would agree, you know, with your non-militant kind of version. But, you know, uh, the copyright ability or, or open ability or whatever isn't going to inherently make good or bad stories out of it. The The writers themselves will just always have a, a variety of quality. Yeah, I mean, that, that's true. I also think for, for sequels, like, if a sequel is is a planned edition, then I see it less of a sequel and more like three, for example, it's a trilogy, like yeah, three story theory. beats, right? Like, this would be a very long book or movie or whatever, and we can't do that, so we're planning it in three arcs, but those three arcs, you know, they tell one contiguous story. If it's yeah, set up sure. and closes down in the, 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 the course of the work, and then a while later it's booted up because it got very popular, and people are like, oh, I want more of Angry Desert mm-hmm. World, or I Storm Guy, or whatever, and then... It's just like, oh, well, I storm guys back, and he's doing it. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Like, <laughs> then I feel like you, you're. It's not really, maybe not just a particular like, cash grab, but a oh, this has traction, and it's in my best interest to run with that traction. But you're then have a little bit of a solution in search of a problem set up. Yeah, I mean, and and that gets into like the economics of of funding and making movies as cash vehicles. Um, you know, there, there's some directors and artists and, and, you know, there's a ton of Mona Lisa's, for example. There's a, a bunch of artists and directors who make kind of the same thing over and over again in an attempt to try and, like, nail down the, the specific, you know, platonic ideal of that thing. Um, and I think that's really interesting. Like, that's a very auteur kind of... Like, they have a vision and they clearly, like, can't describe it adequately. And so they have to keep making the same art over and over again until it eventually, like, emerges properly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something like, beautiful in that. Yeah, I, I actually kind of like that. Um, like, there's there's definitely directors who whose entire works of movies, like, almost shot for shot in, in some cases, like, they keep recycling beats or, or keep kind of, like, coming back to motifs or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen this before. Like clearly, this man is driven to try and remake this thing until it it's a like a perfect combination of shots. Yeah, it feels like you know an image slowly clarifying or like um, yeah searching yeah, for like that perfect like zoom great, level like to bring something. Yeah, yeah, hitting it from different angles. Or I kind of I think that's admirable if if someone's just like really driven and they're like I will get this out of me. It's super dedicated. Yeah, I I would consider that like kind of quote unquote true artist like status is like you you have this thing in your head that you're trying to get out as opposed to you have some kind of like goal or or you know directive to try and you know and and not that there's anything wrong with that. There's a lot of directors who who clearly like come into projects because they're like pretty stable guys who are good at making good movies and you know, whatever the IP is, whatever the thing is, they'll just kind of, like, be good at adapting it and working with it. That's fine, too. Mm-hmm. That's... Yeah. That feels... That feels about right. I, I, I think as I, I get older, like, I, I think more and more about, like, what kind of artist I wanted to be. Um, and I... <laughs> it's easy when you're a kid 
to be kind of idealistic about like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, this unique snowflake and have all these kind of staunch opinions and, and weird eccentricities and, and everything. And as I got older and older, I, I realized I'm actually a pretty blue collar kind of designer. Like I am the guy who comes in and, and I'd like to think anyway, like given any kind of, uh, uh, you know, starting point, I would probably do a pretty good job with it and, and figure it out. Um, and so I've always considered my creativity and my work to be very, like, non-artistic. It is, like, like we call it art in the medium that it's visual or, or animated or, you know, pretty. Um, but I actually don't really think I'm an artist in the sense of, like, I don't have burning things in my soul that I'm trying to clarify in the way that, that mm -hmm. some people are. So, like, artists through process, but maybe not through vision? Yeah, I... I... And and even like um I, I could point to some of our mutual friends who clearly have like these deep unique visions behind them and they they are artists in the sense that they want to try to like get that out of their brain somehow. Go ahead and name um, drop if you feel I'll link everyone. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know who they are. Um, like uh, I, and I've always like deeply admired that because I. I just don't think I'm that guy. <laughs> like, I, I'm also a visual artist, and we live in the same Slack channels and whatever, but, like, I, I just don't think I have anything behind me like they do. Mm -hmm. And that's not a problem. I have made a very good career of, you know, adapting other people's things. That's fine. Uh, but I, I kind of liken myself more to a plumber than to some kind of, you know, like, virtuoso. I th yeah, I think that's also pretty valuable as well i know my brother expresses some of the same sentiments where you know i'm looking at stuff and i'm like oh what if we did that and what if we did this and he sort of sits there and he's like i'm glad you're here to tell to like sort of express that because i don't really want to raise those topics like he sort of paraphrasing his words he's like i would if someone could just tell me what the vision was and what the thing would be i would gladly set about working on it and like solving the practical problems that arise yeah. like oh we need to you know render this out this way but you know i can't do this with you know this particular um setup or whatever and i can solve that and i want to make it look as good as possible but i'm not really here to like invent the the concept, the vision, what that vision is meant to express, like that doesn't really interest him. It's not something he, I, I think drives him either. So it seems to to sort of um, mirror us, sort of what you're saying as well. With um, and and I think in a world where um, you have a lot of teamwork when it comes to um, creative projects, where a bunch of people are working on the same thing it's probably very valuable to have um, artists who work in that sort of way where they are, yeah. you know, like too many, too many cooks trying to pull the, the <laughs> sure. The you you couldn't make a movie if it was entirely staffed by you know, different viewers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. We need prop makers and you need key grips and, and all of the things that aren't, it's not that they're not creative. Like there's a lot of problem solving and there's a lot of outside of the box thinking and, and like practical, um, you know, when, when you say, like, how do I make this whatever car or something? Like, that's a creative endeavor. Mm -hmm. But you're, you're not fundamentally trying to 
you know, like think about what cause should be as a as a yeah, like like concept. you're doing invention and you're doing creativity and you're doing art. All of those verbs are still valid, but there is definitely like a different uh, approach to like. I don't know. I, I consider myself kind of like a, a recycling and like I mean, all creativity is right. You're you're sort of regurgitating like the stuff that resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I could point to and and some people feel like a, a, an imposter syndrome with this, where where they could point to. I saw this movie and I really liked it, and now my work looks like that. Um, and they feel bad about that, right? They feel fake or phony or, or whatever. And I was, <laughs> I was always kind of shameless. I, you know, so when I was starting in 3D, and there's tweets of this, um, I, Mirror's Edge had just come out, and that was like the coolest possible mm. game in my mind, um, from an aesthetic level and from kind of like a design and, and character and, and everything. Uh, it's a fine game, like whatever. <laughs> it's gorgeous. I'll give it that. But like, it's now playing it, playing it back is kind of funny. I mean, I think um, it was also pretty noteworthy in its time. Sure. Yeah. For, for a bunch I, of interesting I, reasons. For a bunch of reasons, um, and some mistakes. Like there, there's definitely parts of that game that, had it been made now, would be different or should have been different if they had like more more control outside of the studio. You know, demanding that there's guns or whatever. Um, what was I saying? Oh, when when I was that age and I was just getting into 3D, like my Facebook posts were literally like, I took this screenshot from Mirror's Edge and I tried to recreate it in Blender. Here's my result. Um, and, and I was never trying to pass it off as like, here's my cool artistic, you know, architectural vision for the future. It was, it was always pretty like tracing. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you were, if you were to trace something on a drawing, um you know my my attempts were that and and so my practice for many years and even today is like just recreating stuff more so than trying to be you know like truly revolutionary or artistic or or whatever with it yeah um, I, th- I, I think that's also pretty um well i don't think anyone likes seeing someone especially someone new sort of be like here's my vision of this and you're you can see that influence so strongly that you're like just sort of admit it right (laughs) i don't think anyone likes seeing that so that's you know that's noble in in that right but it it can also get you far like people can be like damn you know we worked hard to get this particular effect and you recreated that like sure you missed a bunch of other beats but you got that thing down like we sat and thought about this for a while and you know, I've I've heard stories of people like getting job offers for like recreating something. I remember uh, back when Overwatch was was still really big. Like people would post like a fan recreated or like a fan level of something, and they straight up got like a job offer from from Blizzard because they're like, "This is yeah. you've you've managed to nail something." We took a long time to like think about. Um, well, and they're different skills. Like, there's kind of two. I don't know if I made a matrix, it'd be like a two by two kind of grid. Um, where you can have the hard skills to do something and subsequently like the practice to have the hard skills to do something and then you can have the creative vision to like imagine that thing and how it should be um and like we're talking about with this kind of like director versus prop maker distinction um you know those those two roles would fall into this spectrum as well which is when i was copying mirror's edge i was just learning a ton a ton a ton about blender and materials and lighting and rendering like all of the hard skills that are the 3d aspects and it's really convenient that you can outsource the creative vision parts because when you're staring at a blank page and you're thinking like what should i make today you know you might get mired in the like 
what should it be stuff mm -hmm. such that you can never actually like focus on how do I make it stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, copying things or tracing them or, or being inspired by them or whatever, I think is actually just like a really practical way of offloading that side of the creativity. You can be creative in all the problem solving bits and not have to think about, you know, like the decision bits. You know, I feel like that's probably some pretty old knowledge that we are maybe ending up like through the process of self-help books and i don't know online talks rediscovering right like mm -hmm. i imagine if we were creating stuff back in the if you were training you know for a trade you would spend a lot of time under the tutelage of someone creating the thing that they are creating like you you make yeah, it, a copy you if you're a scribe you copy down a bunch of work that's already written um if this, I don't know, blacksmith is making a bunch of, I don't know, uh, horseshoes or whatever, you're learning the practical process for X many years until you get to a point where you've, um, you know, moved through apprenticeship ranks and to be able to, like, think about creating something on your own. Um, yeah. And I feel like that, that's maybe something that's got blurred or, or a little bit lost in certain fields. And now we have to, like, go through this whole process of rediscovering the fact that like copying is good actually while you're learning i mean part of the reason why there are so many mona lisas is that dozens of them were made by effectively interns who were learning how to paint like they were under the tutelage of of da vinci and you know and and not even specifically him but like across that entire era of like uh stonework and masons and and all of everybody you know you cut your teeth on making the thing that the master made over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think that's actually a really valid way of, of doing apprenticeships. Uh, you know, there's definitely a, a point where you should transition them into the creative skills like that. You, you can't have one and not the other, mm -hmm. but it is a gradient and you should be, you know, changing gears as you get up the speed. Yeah. That's, that seems pretty good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just want to <laughs> ask a like a relatively philosophical take on this whole line of conversation, but I'm not sure how to like address what I'm thinking. You know, just say it twenty times and eventually chisel yeah. towards the, yeah. the platonic idea. <laughs> just something about like, um, like we were talking earlier about. Um, all the way back to like second order thinking and I don't know people hmm maybe, I, maybe maybe I'll put this in the back burner it's sort of been floating around as we've been talking and like touching on different topics and sort of like kind of the, the, the general points except instead of applied like specifically to the craft of creation to like the way we think or the way we interact with each other um maybe in a more like philosophical or societal manner um but i'm not sure which exact points are like the, the relative ones to like pose a question or at least maybe pose a, a hypothesis but while we've been talking i've kind of been imagining applying all of that to 
to interaction, self-help, or like self-improvement, should I say, rather than self-help. Um, and just a sort of general way about like learning and going about stuff and interfacing with each other. Um, and that's sort of just been in the back of my mind as we've been talking. Okay, so maybe I'll try to connect some things for you. Uh, I think part of my second-order kindness, or, or I think part of my patience and interaction with people comes from this idea that I always want to try and dig down at, like, what their goal and what they were trying to do was. Like, if, if they made a mirror's edge picture, you know, they would get 100 comments that are like, oh this is really pretty and a hundred comments that are like, Oh, this is clearly derivative. And I try to look at that picture and say like, what were they learning from this? Like, what were they trying to do with this? Did they learn, you know, rendering skills? Like, did they learn, um, were they flexing a creative muscle? Were they flexing a, a practical muscle? Like what was the, the kind of goal? And so, you know, that sounds really obvious and that sounds just like basic level empathy. Um, but but <laughs> if, if we've learned anything from the internet, like perhaps that's <laughs> lacking, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, you know, I would point at a lot of things that sound obvious and, and common sense that, you know, unfortunately we don't see very often. Um, and, and so my patience and kindness comes from, I, I think, a... a desire to see like what their goal was and if they hit it rather than any kind of judgment for like is this pretty is this good is this whatever um you know there's a lot of staunch opinions about like should this exist at all right like like there's a, a certain subset of people who will hate you for painting because you wasted you know x amount of acrylic paint like that's an eco hazard or whatever mm. um and that's a contingent of people i pretty flatly ignore uh, <laughs> um, right, because you could take like, you could take anything to that extreme. Like, should you exist at all? No, I guess you're taking resources, right? Um, right. And that gets into like a huge philosophical thing of like all philosophy is just trying to reason out why you shouldn't commit suicide all the time. Um, <laughs> and that's <laughs> a whole conversation, but right, that's philosophy, capital P. Um, you know, we, we all have justifications for like why we want to do things or, or not. And and so making, trying to fit other people into my justifications or my rationalities or bubbles or, or viewpoints or whatever uh, is ultimately not satisfying and not accurate and pretty frustrating. And so I think my goal is to try and find what their viewpoint is and then judge them against their own metrics, not mine. Right. Right. And sometimes that's really hard. Like that, that is just a, a level of effort that I go to that I think a lot of people don't, mm -hmm. and maybe people don't even realize to, that they should be doing or, or not. I don't know. I think there's also a lot of people who struggle to generally approach the idea that certain people are thinking with worldviews and and <laughs> differently at all. And, yeah, yeah, that's true. Right? It's like this person. <laughs> value certain things differently for whatever number of reasons or has certain influences in, in their past which has led them to believe that they're seeing yeah, and totally. operating this, I mean, this way and, and some people can't rationalize like oh but i would do this other thing and i'm like 
But you have a different upbringing. Like you, yeah, you wouldn't get to the you, same. You grew up on a completely different continent than, yeah. than me. Like so, we. Oh yeah, things... that's also a, a huge problem, of course, right? Like, <laughs> sure. People sort of forgetting a sort of culture that they're embedded in, and then like working with, like seeing a bunch of stuff from other cultures and making some judgments on that. And I'm like, that's not. It's not where we're from. That's not why we would do a thing. Like yeah, that's what that's the TV is telling us to do. <laughs> yeah, and the, the, the TV itself is is written by people who probably aren't, you know, doing any deeper investigation than whatever that first surface level thing is as well. So basing your judgments on their judgments on a thing is is probably not, you know, sufficiently deep. Mm. Yeah, uh, I also like I. Like, I'm both trying to apply this, like I said, to a sort of societal take on things, and then also avoid the issue of just, you know, getting down to, well, we live in a society, and you're trying to, you know, make some comments on, you know, the complexity of human nature based on a couple um, <laughs> sure, yeah. vague, vague points on something. Um, I mean, I said it at the top of the hour, like, all complexity is just more than anybody has time or energy for. Like, that's everything is kind of an oversimplification at some level. Right. Right. Uh, you're you're aware of that, like, uh, the midwit meme, right? Where it's, like, <laughs> yeah. the bell curve, and then once you just I, get I over really the bell I really like that one, actually. You know, I started by hating it. I really started being, like, <laughs> this is... Which is just me being in the midwit section. Yeah, <laughs> of right. Course. Now, now you've either ascended or descended. It doesn't right. matter. And I was like, man, this, this is so many things. Like a couple, but and maybe that's also the product of like perhaps seeing some of those midwit memes with like some takes I might not agree with. But yeah, you know, the more bad, I've so. seen it, I'm like, fuck. Like the problem is, uh, which again is like you know trying to make a big statement here coming from a literal meme but the the two sides in the meme are like compared like they're sort of equated to each other as in like they're doing the same thing right like dimwit and enlightened are like as if they are the same and you only go through this period like in the middle of the bell curve where you're like no you can't do this however (laughs) What I think needs to be, like, the important distinction there is that, like, you have to go through the process. Because the person on, like, yeah. the lower end, when they're saying, like, oh, just do X, and then person at the top of the bell curve is like, no, you got to consider this factor, that factor, whatever. And then once you get down to, to the other side, you're not saying, like, just do X in the exact same way that someone who is, like, entirely uneducated or entirely ignorant of a bunch of factors is. Like, you've had to learn processes through that and you get to the same sort of like well it's actually you know like you can just go through with something and you can just so i don't know manifest whatever but you've learned a lot of places about where to apply it and like that's obviously missing in this curve here but um otherwise otherwise everyone who was um uh, i don't know pretty uneducated on certain topics would also have the exact solutions to solve them so you know that doesn't seem like it's happening yeah that's kind of the story of like the alchemist right is the boy who's a shepherd and then he does this whole journey and then he gets to the end and he's like happy to be a shepherd um 
chalkboard curry water. <laughs> Basically. Sorry? Uh, yeah, like the other... I, I forget what the full book is. I haven't actually read it. You know? <laughs> I've just... Discussion is about there it, like a more expanded version? I, I think uh, I just read like whatever short story. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know this is like The Alchemist by Paul Coolio that you're talking about, but there's another book I, um, called like Chop Wood Carry Water, which is basically like... Oh, I, I did is, read... Well, yeah. I read like 30% of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of different, but it's also like once you've gone through everything, you are still like doing the menial tasks, right? Like you are yeah. still um, still chopping but, wood like, and carrying water, but you like, have a different... Doing, yeah like a different way of viewing that um and i think that's true like i won't claim to be on the enlightened side ever <laughs> I, I think a lot of my activities are are both dimwit and enlightened um but I, i'm trying to be less concerned with the middle um, yeah, I, I feel I like that's right, my like, problem the phase you have to go through yeah um i grew up christian and then I left the church, and I think like everybody has kind of an angry atheist phase coming like through that context, right? Um, but it's ultimately like a not super sustainable place to be forever. Like I, I eventually left that behind as well because it, it didn't serve me, you know. After a while, mm -hmm. there's only so many podcasts about how something doesn't exist that that you can listen to. Yeah. Um, and and so I always kind of like view certain energies or like certain waves of cultures as like transient important but temporal sort of places to be mm -hmm. um and so i i don't have any like ill feelings or, or bemoan the atheists or whatever some of them are annoying at the time or at the moment or whatever but like i, I think my patience is just like yeah that's a phase i went through you'll get out of it like you know it's a couple years of your life um i think and, the only way that you know, it continues sorry? i think the way that that continues is when people like start pulling in like you do burn out of that phase but then you see people who are like you know 40 and, and making youtube videos on the same topic sure, yeah. but they, they're like they are burning out but then they, they're pulling in more and more resources to keep the fire stoked right mm. and if you sort of laterally let yourself burn down i think that's how you like get out of that phase and move on to the next one but that's people like self-perpetuating yeah. the phase there, there's probably like a you know how you can't stop a habit you have to replace a habit i, I bet you there's something like that where like if that's your only community and those are your only friends and and like to leave them to let that go behind you is to also like crush your only source of friendship or whatever yeah um you know i, I would suspect a lot of communities you know incels or whoever uh, you know you could point at a lot of them nazis um are probably just people who are kind of you know alone and and disillusioned and this is this happens to be just by coincidence not even by ideology or anything but just by coincidence like these are the people that you kind of fell in with yeah um and it is really hard to leave that behind like like i have supreme amounts of sympathy for being in that kind of situation and, and stuck at that place and those people and i don't know it's hard to be angry at them when you kind of approach it from that perspective yeah i feel like that's that's really true um i also feel like there is this very interesting again kind of like to, to, to the midwood meme but like coming out of like for example you said like your anger atheist phase and then uh coming out of it and you're talking i think you briefly touched on the word energy which i don't know if you're going the same direction but um i'm also thinking a lot about like um some of the crowd that i'm sort of engaging with on twitter often is 
a lot of them are made up of like um people who are approaching buddhism from man someone summed it up somewhere as like energetic buddhist or, or whatever um but people who sort of approach maybe um buddhism mixed with some like new age science and um like that's some contingent of of people and so discussion sometimes happens with like meditation or crystals or energy or alignment or you know things like that and i feel like i also had this like little bell curve where before that just seemed like a certain amount of nonsense or a certain amount of like um objects that were like did not affect like could not possibly contain what people were talking about and like i didn't get it like it felt like people were inventing a belief to store inside it um and now that i'm approaching it in a different way it's like when i hear a bunch of terms about like um in in this case energy is the one that's magic maybe as well is, is something else that um gets discussed or um a whole lot of I feel like I can I always keep on touching on like some of the terms as I come into them but I should probably like see if I can make a list and maybe even sort of uh, codify my thoughts a little more on them but you know like I no longer see you know when I think about energy now I don't really think of like okay there's this mystical blue flowing forces if as if you would see in a cartoon right like that's previously how I was imagining because that's how it sounded like the conversation was about, sure. right? But now I'm looking at it and like, oh, you know, you have a sense of energy and they're like, if you eat a bunch of like really starchy food or whatever, you're probably pretty lethargic. Like if you keep your body going well, like the channels as in like blood and airflow and like ver- relatively practical things, um, mm-hmm. you're gonna feel more and it like there is an actual energy that's being talked about even if that's chemical or physical or um maybe it's coming from an emotional place right like sit alone for two weeks you're feeling pretty down engage with in good conversation with your friends and you're feeling you know renewed and refreshed right like there's something there um and it's probably that that people are hitting on but they're hitting on bunch of nebulous ideas and, and people are approaching it from different aspects and then they use a word to try like encapsulate what they're talking about and often times maybe in like someone's blog or someone's you know personal philosophy they've defined that to like a narrow band but someone else is also using that same word um and maybe it's a mm-hmm. different band and it creates this like concept which it feels like what are you guys you guys are just talking about this thing right like as if that's the solution to it um, and I've started to come to this like, better place of understanding about like ah shit like they keep on talking about for example energy or whatever like this is kind of what they're hitting at and there's probably a lot of factors that are going into that um, and I get a better appreciation for it and like I do understand how this is like meaningful or like the force of God like seeing God everywhere I'm like okay this is just a big guy little white magical fingers and all the things but i'm like oh it's not just that there's this like spirit floating around everywhere it's like this plant grew in this certain way through a whole bunch of factors and like that's amazing and like those factors itself from a purely biological place are amazing and um yeah like kind of read 
you hear about a concept and you hear just about the abstraction and like trying to figure out like what are the centuries of like discussion behind that abstraction and what are what are people like hitting on um and sometimes if you approach it like forget the abstraction and then like go around the other way and like get involved with like kind of the things people are talking about and they're like yes but it is and then they use the word that they're abstracting it to you're like ah <laughs> fuck i've arrived at the same destination but now i kind of understand yeah. the pathway yeah even in this like local example i'm thinking of the midwit meme and, and like at the low end you have like god is everywhere and we kind of like look down on like the religious and we look down mm -hmm. on the devote christians yeah. or whoever um and then you kind of go through this like angry atheist, you know, zone where you're, you're rejecting all of that and, and kind of feeling, I'm going to use not the word energy, but like the word enthusiasm. Like there's this kind of, uh, uh, podcasts and blogs and writing and books and videos and whatever. Like there's an enthusiasm by whoever these people against this thing. Yeah. Um, and then now as I've gotten older, so it's been 11 years, a decade, uh, you know, since I left and now, you know, on Twitter and, and by way of, I think maybe some like wholesome kind of woo woo type people, um, you know, I, I think there is kind of like this, like, oh yeah, God is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that, that God isn't like the same Christian God that I grew up with, but just that phrase, like God, whatever you define it, um, is and everywhere, like those words actually do resonate like yeah you're right plants are rad like i'm, I'm slowly filling my apartment with <laughs> leaves um I, I bought some birds of paradise recently and like one of them has a big leaf that's just like slowly unfurling over the past couple days and like it's gorgeous it is stunningly beautiful and it you know the, the plant's made of like xylem and phloem and sugars and water and it's like doing these things and taking in you know metals from the soil like it's so rad and I don't now believe in like this higher power or anything, but like God is everywhere. Like that's just such a, a like romantic, beautiful sentence. Yeah. I in a way that I, I wouldn't have agreed with that, you know, five years, yeah, ten years ago. That seems sort of perfectly what I'm trying to hit at. Even other concepts about like, you know, God bringing peace or God guiding your decisions. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like I'm, I'm praying for you. It's like a really great sentence, yeah, really. Exactly. And I'm no longer thinking about like, okay, just middle eastern man and you you talk you sit down and then above you he's in the clouds and he gives you like that's your guidance yeah, he's like, like no. judging you constantly right, yeah but like it's all your <laughs> philosophies which are like leading you to a certain point and like you go through different you weigh different um mental models against things based on like principles that are supposed like that's kind of what they're hitting at about like god guiding you or like finding peace because like the same way I can come to a place of peace when I receive a piece of like tragic news. I'm like, okay, how do I process this? How do like what what's valuable? What's important here? How do I move through this? Like, that's kind of what someone is touching on, except all their reasoning and experience are, are now maybe like religiously tinged, or even if it was learnt at a particular place, like they're hitting on that idea through a bunch of different words and suddenly i'm like resonating with all of those words again and like yeah. but it needed i needed to go just <laughs> and here's a difficult part it's like i needed to go discover all of these things independently only to like agree with the pithy statement <laughs> but yeah. what, right right like so now what's important for me i'm like cool i went through this journey let's say i have a child or something or someone else that i care about deeply I'm like i need to sort of package that information to them so i come up with all these like 
ways of discussing it, writing, you know, maybe doing some like long form writing, coming up with pithy statements, just having a conversation where I like guide them through, which means I'm encapsulating all of that. So what gets delivered to the other person? The same type of nonsense, which I initially disagreed with. (laughs) Right? Like there's a bunch of authors which have touched on a bunch of stuff through centuries. And all of that stuff I thought was garbage, even though they themselves probably went through that journey and was like, fuck, now now it's up to me to like tell you why the journey sucks. And here's the information at the end. Right, and then we all just have to go in the cycle of like, yeah, that's so human and beautiful. <laughs> yeah. We're just such garbage animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, God, that's wonderful. No, it's totally true. I there's a lot of books, and I should reread them now. Perspective totally different. Like I, I totally believe that. Like semantics. It's easy. This comes back to the first order thing. Like, it's so easy to fight on semantics. You say, like, oh, God, like, uh, I bristle at the very thought of that word. Um, and a lot of people do. And I did. And, you know, I, I, I've i gone through now this whole cycle. Um, and I, I think part of my patience is, like, I don't need to fight about the semantics because the semantics are probably so meaningless to both of us that trying to argue at that level isn't anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not even useless it's just nothing yeah and even even the same though if like i see this differently now how many times have you heard that from like someone who's like born again whatever and they're like yeah yeah but like i see this yeah another way and and i'm like oh okay but and and same with like the the reasoning like i i you know said incels and nazis are, are probably just kind of like lonely hurt people looking for community um that may or may not be true. There's a lot of deeper, you know, complexity behind that. But uh, same with the church. Like uh, when I was growing up, there were a lot of people who joined the church just because they were kind of lonely, hurt people. And here was a bunch of people who, you know, smiled and shook their hands. Like maybe that's all you need at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can kind of nod along with the rest of it, but but maybe it is fundamental. Or, or maybe I mean, I think like, there's for you. a large, large discussion to be had on like the nature of community and <laughs> sure, belonging yeah, and. That's a, a pretty that, big topic right now for millennials. Yeah, exactly. Like how that manifests and what we're searching for and what we're trying to soothe. Yeah. And we're all angry for a bunch of stuff. And and some worldview is going to come along and it's going to hit like, doesn't have to hit all of them, you know? has to hit a handful. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yes, sure. that makes sense. This kind of goes in the way of thinking. And then you start gobbling up the rest of the ideology. And the next thing you know... Well, and I wonder if that's kind of what we're seeing already where it's not one big religion. It is all of these little fractured things. Like I, I fundamentally kind of see like the, the twin sides of say Nazis and SJWs as kind of the same thing that just happened to be splintered in, in different ways. Um, and I, I don't hold in judgment. I mean, maybe don't be a Nazi, but I don't hold like <laughs> deep judgments against either of them because they, they just seem like, soothed or or they found a community or whatever by way of whatever random chance you know got them there um what was i trying to say i I think we've seen a fracturing of all of these like hundreds now of different little kind of like sub i'm gonna call them cults but you know like sub religions or or sub things that are, are trying to fill the void and offer you know three of the ten pieces at a time yeah um and it's sufficient enough to like fall in with a group, but it's not sufficient enough to actually like have critical mass of, of truly like life satisfying change. 
I wonder if that, that just becomes its own cycle, right? Like, you can only offer three of the ten as a little group, um, and that'll fit with your thing. If you start accumulating mass, you're going to start growing into a certain way, and eventually a bunch of people will find meaning with you, and a bunch of other people are going to be swept up by the momentum of that, and they're going to have their discrepancies where they're like, this doesn't fit with a bunch of what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. and they're going to... Sh- you know, splinter apart, right? It feels like the sort of natural ebb and flow of, um, even up to like nation states, whatever. Right? Like people group together and start creating this, like union to try grow and push power, and it gets to a certain size, and then a bunch of dissatisfied, dissatisfied members are like, no, we're gonna leave and like, try create our own thing, and it splinters a bunch, and then those bits try grow until. You know, at some point, your community has... You can no longer have everyone on the same wavelength. And the people on who are not perfectly yeah. on the wavelength end up trying to splinter to figure out what they're missing. And most of those die off. Some of them grow themselves. And, just like... and, and that's probably why there's thousands of flavors of Christianity. Like, it's, you know, what, a couple thousand years old? And it, it went through that process where it's growing and splintering and growing and splintering and... Um... You know, there's entire like branching trees of of Judaism in, yeah. in a bunch of different directions. Some are like outright crazy. Some of them are, are death cults. Some of them are, you know, really wholesome. Some of them are like basically Buddhism, but under the wrapper of, you know, a Christian God. Um, you know, like like there's so many everything always. <laughs> yeah. Fractal um, spirals and 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 so instead of having that big tree, I wonder if we've just kind of decentralized all of those bits into, you know, I'm super into NFTs because that's my community now. Like, that is a valid, it's not a religion, but it is a religion, right? Mm, yeah. Um, I think it, it's you. fulfilling some, you know, three of ten, so to speak, and, mm. and maybe not the same three as a different thing, but you, but you kind of like go through these phases of pull and push yeah yeah i mean it does seem i don't know i don't know what the the root problem is here right like religion also sort of has its kind of like beyond offering community it is ostensibly also about like salvation and you know pointing towards another worldly matter (laughs) But these other like smaller communities that crop up, like NFTs, for example, like it's a type of well, I don't even want to say a payment method because it's not really that, right? Like it's uh, art owning. You know, we know what NFTs are, but like they're not. It's a a philosophy of like how they view the internet, but also how they view the world itself, and and so right. you know, at the very like practical level, yes, it's a. a chain of data that gets you know distributed blah 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 um but at the emotional level these people are coming together because they like believe in similar things as each other and yeah. that has an energy to it yeah maybe an enthusiasm maybe that's true yeah i i was trying to say like there's no outward like uh focus but i guess there is a focus right like kind of like the people that we often hang around with who are like more interested in like let's say a decentralized web or uh sure, yeah you know they have a philosophy of how things should be and even if that's limited to like the scope of the web that philosophy is grounded in other ideals right like why do we believe the web should be open and free and decentralized yeah yeah Um, what is communication freedom like what is you know like those stem from a place 
and um, maybe people who believe the way like the systems behind or like the ideologies behind blockchains and so on and so forth mean something valuable to the way we should start structuring mm-hmm. I want to say digital society instead of internet right like this is yeah. a pretty integral part of the way a lot of our lives both professional and personal and, and economic run right now and maybe there's like a venn diagram where like if you're a really wholesome sort of like future of the internet kind of person the blockchain represents like a certain three of ten you know things that it's solving for you but if you're like a really kind of dirtbag like money greedy kind of person who wants to invest in, and make you know a million dollars tomorrow like that's solving a different three of ten for you but fundamentally the venn diagram is like both of you are actually things mm. in the same community and so you know certain communities have I, I i think that's why like some communities have legs and some don't is like there's enough critical mass of like it's it has a bunch of sticky points but they're not all the same sticky points and so they attract a bunch of different kinds of people and sometimes that leads to infighting and you know splitting but sometimes that actually like leads to kind of a mutual kind of like symbiosis where the you know the internet future people want this thing to grow because it's the future of the internet and the money hungry people want this thing to grow because that's their direct like investment and so they actually have a really nicely combined like mutual beneficiality to to that relationship even if their goals are completely different right um so i would say that you know NFTs are a pretty good example of this, but there's a lot of them. Uh, there's a lot of communities that that can grow and thrive based on these like weird sticky points and, and the specific like kinds of, of things that they're solving for people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why like a lot of cults don't go anywhere. It's like you, you can have one sticky point of like acceptance or forgiveness or like... Um, you can attract broken people if that's all you want to attract, but fundamentally they never grow super big because they don't have enough like staying power for different kinds of people. Yeah. I think there's only so many broken people you can put in a compound in the mountains until it just collapses. (laughs) It doesn't do anything. Right. Or the founder dies, (laughs) right? Like the, the original founder dies and and fundamentally the community of broken people doesn't have. Right. Like the the driving vision. I think that's also was important when you were like talking about, you know, you've got these groups of different people and I, I imagine them s- almost spinning around like a central point. And yeah, some of right. those, yeah, those central points, enthusiasm. Right. Like some of, sometimes that's unstable and it will like tear itself apart. But other times, if they balance each other enough, um, like money-hungry people and future of internet people with NFTs, like, um, like maybe their goals are going in different places, but they still have like one idea that they're striving for like um and when that is aligned they're gonna keep working together and like keep on growing forward but if that idea gets achieved or like somehow that that vision goes like that's when it feels like it starts unwinding mm-hmm. uh, and maybe in the case of like smaller cults which are like, particularly led by one person as soon as that founder dies no one else really like was there particularly or like had the vision to carry on like they were yeah they, they were, were solar spoke, the sun yeah. disappeared all the gravity kind of just flung them out exactly exactly um and 
Yeah. This feels like such yeah. a big, you know, people's need for community and what it soothes and also just the crazy things certain communities do, oftentimes not very nice. And I think we spend so much time, like, engaging and talking about these communities and how those communities interact with each other and what it means to be an individual within that community. But, um, and it feels like we're just going to continue to have these conversations, like maybe again, like as a, as a first level thing about like, Oh, the NFT people are doing whatever, instead of being like, well, we're all seeking for a bunch of things. And like one religion is offering this and this and this, and their little local art thing on the internet is, is offering that, that, and that. Um, but they're fundamentally like the same system, egregore, right? Like, um, there's a, there's a bit of a hierarchy or food web of, of egregores and, you know, trying to, trying to analyze what's happening on that scale is maybe a bit more noteworthy (laughs) to like actually navigate the fucking landscape rather than than not seeing that and just being like oh what the fuck's happening with nft people in this like then you're just constantly going to be surprised or shocked or like yeah uh, but i think i'll come back to my solar system metaphor which is you know like there's all of these little solar systems that have their own kind of gravities and pulls some of them split apart and some of them collapse into their own sun and, and so forth um but then I think about like the vastness of the universe and just like there's so many solar systems and so many galaxies and so many um, things. And so the principles we're looking for are gravity, not any given solar system. Like, right. like we can point at NFTs as an example, but it, it's not like you're not deducing the laws of physics. You're just saying here's seven planets and some of them are ice and some of them are... mm-hmm. like you can you can point at a community and not really like you know more about it but you're not really like it's not fundamental to the physics of what's sticking communities together yeah and it feels like people get get really caught up in being like well we're looking at a a dusty planet here and like this is a mountain range and dusty planet and man they just had an earthquake and the mountain range split in two and you know you have to know yeah you have to pay attention to this like look it's a lava planet Every two days is a YouTube video updating you on what happens to (laughs) the geologic features on continent three of Dust Planet. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. but the interesting thing here is like, if you learn about gravity, you can, you can gravity slingshot around planets, right? You can, if you understand gravity, you can work out that time runs faster in certain places and slower in other places, or you can send a satellite into orbit or figure out how fast the rock's gonna move like that's <laughs> that's the interesting part here is yeah. is gravity not what's happening on the planet well and that's where like so twitter famously has this like pastoralism where everybody should move into like you know let's buy some land together and we can all have houses hell yeah <laughs> and hell I, I, yeah. <laughs> it never happens and for like a lot of reasons right and and fundamentally i just don't think you can build a universe or a solar system you know from scratch like that like there's just the gravity doesn't yeah it's just so hard to slingshot big rocks into motion together such that they're stable mm-hmm. and i think we intuitively know that and so we we don't even bother like signing a lease together with with kind of strangers like even if you like them and they're your friends like yeah i really want to sign a lease myself because you know who knows if the neighborhood is good and that's like 
a, a core fundamental like independence mm -hmm. that you don't even get in a, an even tighter you know relationship kind of land buying deal yeah yeah you need some sort of like no one actually wants to see themselves as like a moon in the solar system right <laughs> yeah like, everybody wants to be the sun but you can't have a bunch of suns orbiting each other or not just suns but like something that has free enough um like self uh direction you know, I, don't, I don't know mm. what the word i'm trying to, but like the ability to actually you know okay this solar system's a bit weird i'm gonna go drift out you know I, i'm a traveler <laughs> yeah. of a thousand years everybody's dream. afraid of being stuck in in a gravity well yeah because you know like theoretically you are the rock and you have a um you know you're bound together in some solar system and that solar system itself is is spinning around in a galaxy somewhere like there's another level like your little community is spinning in another community whether that's like th the nation state or you know whatever else like use whatever metaphor you want here because the galaxy itself is is in a local cluster like there's levels of gravity in which you are stuck um and you were involved in that like it's the solar system exists because you are part of the thing right like the gravity comes from the mass of course but um people like to to be able to like i i joined i joined the rock climbing club and i did it for two months and i'm gonna go you know i, I want to make more time to go to the mosque so i i'm leaving the rock climbing club right like there's kind of that like free agent and I don't know. Yeah, going being a commune, right? Like, and and committing to twenty years of whatever. Like, you either need very good bonds, but also, you know, people are going to grow over that time period. New additions, partners, children, whatever, are going to come in and, and move things around. And like, you've got none of the stability that an an old soul, like a top that has spun for a while, starts to generate, right? Like. Christianity is a lot more stable than um, New Zealand Island Sailor Commune too. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and that's because of like just that slow evolution of gravity. Like it, it's just had so many centuries to spin up and down and and spit rocks out and bring them in and you know coalesce. Like like if we you know take this metaphor backwards, like the Big Bang had a bunch of you know just free particles and then they slowly became hydrogen and they slowly became helium and and so on down the chain like all of this stuff finds and collects in itself and you can't really force it like if even with you know nine planets if if i had to try to set them into orbit that was stable like you couldn't right yeah like over time for example um, over time they, they yeah the planet pulls in a wandering free agent yeah. and, and that enters like resonance with the existing moons in the system and that resonance stabilizes over time and yeah that's something but you know you got to start well i guess the, the important thing is here is like starting to look for gravity right like starting to watch like, yeah those are the things or, we should or, be like even at. just understanding it like everybody wants autonomy and to be this free agent you could be like a little asteroid zipping around but then you this, the flip side of that same coin is now you don't have the stability of like everybody is seeking these kind of big uh communities and big orbits because we like we deeply feel this pain of being super autonomous and being super atomized um but then we're not willing to commit 
to not being atomic and and you know free um and, and so you you could sign on the line and, and be a commune if you actually wanted that and nobody does it because they don't actually want that yeah um like a or, client or the... what's their second order design yeah exactly yeah so i don't know people aren't very honest with themselves about like what they actually want or, or what they actually need or or something i don't know I don't, I don't know if it's about honesty i also think it's trying to figure out like you know, I, I feel that desire, but then I also look at small village life and I'm like, as much as I want this, it's also very <laughs> yeah. stifling or, you know, you got to fit into a bunch of things to make sure you're stable. And that's difficult. It's not like I'm lying. I just don't know how to balance these two wolves yeah, inside you, so, so to speak. To? Yeah, there's a there's a good kind of like, I don't know, mental model that I use is is. If you're ever envious of someone, would you trade with them given 100% of their life? And so the example is like, you see a guy in a Ferrari and you say, oh, wow, a nice car. I wish I had. And the implicit kind of assumption there is like, you get the Ferrari, but you still maintain yourself yeah. completely. And the truth is, you know, maybe that guy works 80 hours a week. And so you get the Ferrari, but you also get his life. And you also get, you know, maybe his failing marriage or his workaholic or his, you know, like you don't know his story at all. Yeah. And so he has this one element you like, but you might not actually like his, like, collective, you know, being. Right. That's kind and of what I think about often, like, time travel uh, butterfly effect stories. Yeah. Which you see it where it's like you, you make a change, now, but extrapolate every other thing that require <laughs> yeah. that change to come into being, right? Like, you get the Ferrari, but every that Ferrari only, I mean, you know, I've said this before, time doesn't exist uh so like there is no past either like the past is compressed all the way onto whatever the present is so to have that ferrari comes with everything else that is like everything is there because of the process of where that it has taken to get yeah, to the point it's, right it's now the and that includes of all of that chain yeah well i think that is a pretty poignant topic to end on we've been going for about <laughs> 125 now uh unless you've got any particular closing notes otherwise i think i think that's no, great. i don't know be kind be patient everybody's doing weird things that you've never heard of or, or know about everybody comes at it from a context you you don't know and communication wise your your semantics are probably mistaken both of you mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know be chill be you're chill. not gonna win hearts and minds by fighting it <laughs> all right thanks brandon that's great take care